it yeah. maybe wasn't quite the uh the gift that he framed it as initially as much yeah, as it was it's more of a, yeah, just a yeah. self-serving yeah. act yeah. i once bought the nicely done kelly so. it was a good birth <laughs> Um, I once bought the cassette tape for uh, the bodyguard, the soundtrack, you know, because oh. I loved it. And instead oh, of giving the tape to my sister, fantastic. Oh, yeah, no, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Instead of giving the tape to my sister, I made a copy of it and gave her the copy instead. How do you sleep? <laughs> why did you give her the copy? It's, uh, why did you I give wanted, the original and keep the copy? I wanted the you original. Wanted the original. Wanted I wanted the original. The original. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I mean, oh, I mean, fair. I can't believe all of us are here. Like, obviously, he wanted the original. <laughs> Welcome to that episode was We Are Popsicle, for fuck's sake. In this episode, we'll be offering opinions and reactions to The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, Season 1, Episode 7, The Eye. This episode was written by Jason Cahill and directed by Charlotte. I'm just going to say Brandstrom, but there are accent marks, and so I bet you it sounds way cooler than that. Uh, my apologies, Charlotte. Now, before we get into the nitty and the gritty of our discussion points, uh, let me first introduce our co-hosts, uh, my co-host, the co-hosts. We will start at the bottom of my screen. She was last to arrive, but first in our hearts, it's Lisa <laughs> K. Weber. Oh my gosh, hi. <laughs> Next, we have second to last on my screen and perhaps the one person here who will give me a run for my nerdy money uh when it comes to lord of the rings trivia it's claire thorne i i can't even hope to give you a run for your money uh, i don't Justin, I, 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 Mordor. I, <laughs> I look to you i, do, I wouldn't sell yourself short claire <laughs> nor would i no nope. i will I. try that's that I, yes i will try <laughs> definitely next perhaps the least interested in Tolkien minutia person in the building. It's Kelly Sue Milano. Kelly Sue, hello. I mean... I don't even know who these people, what these people's names are. You know? <laughs> I'm going to read you passages from the appendices in this episode. You can do that. I loved the Lord of the Rings movies. And... Um, I can't really tell you what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. But I know I had a great time. Yeah, Last, that's all that matters really. <laughs> but by no means least, it is that Prince of Pineapple Pizza, my friend Ooh. and yours, Philip Kelly. Oh, I just had a nice piece of, when I got back into town, I was like, first thing I want pineapple pizza from my favorite pizza place. <laughs> I got it. And then my, because... and then my cats. You couldn't so, find such things in more civilized parts of the country, <laughs> I understand. Um, so let's dig right into it. Um, so I was re-watching this afternoon 
sort of, because I eventually stopped doing that. Um, <laughs> Jeez. The eye, as a title for this episode, felt very on the nose to me. And this was perhaps the most, you know, overtly thematic episode of the show so far, at least in my observation. Um, you know, the first image is Galadriel's eye. Uh, we have just uh, given birth to the lands that will once be dominated, that will soon be dominated by the great eye. Queen Mariel is blinded. The sky is blotted out by ash and no one can see. We presume Isildur's death, but do not see it. Elrond and Durin do not see the dangers of dying the Mithril, of mining the Mithril. Um, perhaps Galadriel fails to see the truth about Halbrand? That's my theory. Um, the Harfoots see too much and not enough. Um, and although sight and eye are not the same thing, I still feel like that is this show's way of, you know, coming to a... Uh, to a theme. Am I tripping? Am I trying to create to spin gold out of hay? Or are you guys seeing this? And is it speaking to you? Is a more thematic episode of Rings of Power maybe bringing you in a little bit more? And I want to start I... with Lisa. Oh, 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 oh perfect. Well because done. I was going to well start High anyway. Five. There you wow. go. Um, <laughs> I don't think that you are seeing things that aren't there. I think that is, uh, yes, for the eye, you are seeing there we go. <laughs> the theme of the eye. Um, <laughs> I'll say, um, while I still can't call this show good, um, I did enjoy this episode more than any of the others so far. Um, and <laughs> well, I'm not going to admit that anyway. So I, <laughs> oh, I'm dying for your admission now, but okay. Um, <laughs> but it was like right from the get go like from the opening sequence with Galadriel and the the red and like like right from there I was almost like I almost wished the show had started here I oh, had that exact yeah Kelly Sue agrees because that that's yeah. that's that was my immediate thought was like if the show started here I think <laughs> I'd be into it oh and Kelly Sue clearly thought the same thing no surprise <laughs> Since we share a brain, vampire butts. <laughs> We're gonna have to do something about the 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 entangle the quantum entanglement between you two because I was I'm like it's I, getting scary. That was that's I, I, I know out loud when I was watching wow. the show by myself eating, and I was like, uh -huh. "This is where it should have started." I um <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's just yeah, that's you and me, and me and you. <laughs> Yume. but anyway um yeah like for, so I was like if the show had started here it would have gotten me in like right away and if like because it's like here is the first episode where I mean I don't I don't I haven't quite gone into liking Galadriel territory but the fact that it's like she was actually able to like relate to people in this episode and she was able to she wasn't holding herself apart from everybody finally um 
And I, I appreciated that in what was going on with her. Um, and like, I, it's like, we've, I just felt more of the emotion in all of the characters that I've been looking for, or I guess that I didn't even realize I was missing. Like, um, what's the name of Isildur's dad? Elendil. 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 Like, this was the first time I connected to this character at all, like at all in the series, um, was through his grief and through his kind of anger because he was so sure that like following the elves was the right thing to do. And now he's not so sure because he's taken such a heavy personal loss. And it's like all of these things, and this is just in that kind of story arc to say nothing of like what was going on with um, the Mithril and yeah. yeah and what was going on with the stranger and the harfoots um all of that stuff suddenly became like more interestinger in this episode and like i said it's like because this is the second to last episode in the season i'm this is what this is part of the reason why i was like why didn't we start here because <laughs> it feels a little too like too little too late for me watching this and it's like while I I got a little bit more into this episode I still hesitate to be like oh this is the turnaround because it's been so consistently not engaging and yeah. I feel like there's been like maybe two episodes like the second episode was okay and then this episode is okay. The second to last episode has been okay. And yeah. all the rest have left me either um, totally cold or infuriated. <laughs> oh boy. So like, that's where I am today. <laughs> Kelly Sue, I feel like this is your ball to pick up and run with. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, you, you know. Uh, you share a brain, but she can't. Lisa can't possibly have said all her thoughts. She needs you to finish. Well, I agree with literally everything that Lisa said. But one of the things that um, I'll start with the things that I really loved about this episode. Um, I too loved the humbling of Galadriel. Um, she felt more like the character that I know um in this episode than in any other but like by a mile um I love the conversation that she has with Theo I loved all of the stuff that they had you know being in the forest and hiding from the orcs I thought that was amazing um <clears throat> I loved the like immediacy of what was happening with Elrond and Doran I loved that I was like, I can feel the stakes. And I'm like, I care about this. I loved all of that. I loved his, the conversation he has with his wife, um, that Doran has with his wife. Um, all of that stuff was so good. There were so many amazing character elements. And as tragic as it was to go through the experience of the queen losing her eyesight, I was like, I, I am even connecting with her character more in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a, um, 
I don't know if it's a systemic issue, but they, the show is very emotionally manipulative. Um, it happened a lot in the last episode and it was happening again in this episode where it's like, oh, look, joy. And then we're going to mm. take it away. Or, or. Harfoot story. It happened with Elrond and Doran. Mm-hmm. And I do not like that kind of storytelling. Or where they're like, ooh, this person, they did, how many times is Bronwyn going to look dead? Oh, you yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, exactly. That's the other manipulation is like, yeah, oh, this is tiring. I know she's Yeah, I like- was like, the, at the whole time, Theo was like, oh, I like, I'm worried. Like, I think that my mom is dead. And I was like, no, she's not. No, she's they not. They did this just last episode. No, she's mm-hmm. not. <laughs> Yeah. And it's a very, um, to me, it's just lazy and there shouldn't be lazy storytelling on a show like this. No. Um, but you know, uh, outside of that, this episode was pretty, I really actually, even though it was a little bit like, um, yeah, obviously, <laughs> I kind of did love the end where they turn the Southlands into Mordor. I thought that was cool. Even though I was like, mm. come on. <laughs> that was really cheesy. Yeah. And I really loved it. But I liked <laughs> I mean, it. I think I laughed out loud. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, they're not really doing this. No, it was so cheesy. And yeah. I was like, I kind of love it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it was like the Southlands is gold and then Mordor is red. <laughs> I can't, I can't. Because it felt a little bit, because this show feels like for all that it's sort of inexpertly crafted mm-hmm. in terms of the storytelling, you know, um, it's so serious. The show is very serious. Yeah. Yes. You very know, self-serious. You know, mm-hmm. only, you know, every once in a while you get something that, that like, you know, lightens the mood a little bit, but it's mm-hmm. kind of unrelentingly serious. So that cheesy moment was very welcome to me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I, I really appreciated that. It felt very, it felt more, that was a moment where I was like, this feels more Peter Jackson to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it, it kind of like changing of the title cards. It kind of fit. It almost kind of weirdly fit the spirit of where Adar was at too. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it was like kind of that. Yeah. It was uh, like mustache twirl. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Totally. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they were, but they were straight up like, what are we going to call this land? Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, we're going to about to, I thought we were about to get a lingual treatise on, you know, what evil is in Quenya or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> It would have almost been better if they, if Adar was like hammering a sign into the ground. We pan out and it says Mordor in blood. (laughs) We pan back and see the Shit's Creek town, like welcome to the town sign. (laughs) It would have been great. mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, this whole episode, I know it's the second to last, but at a certain point, which is probably like 20 minutes into it, I was like, am I wrong? Is this the last episode? It just felt like a last episode yeah. to me, to the extent where like even watching the trailer, 
the teaser for the next episode, I'm like, I have no idea what we're going to do in the final episode. And I'm concerned about that because I'm worried that they're going to muck up what progress they made in this episode. Like mm-hmm. it, in, in the yeah. way that they just kind of ignore that this episode existed and we're right back to the like just inexplicability of, of things. <laughs> um, I, I want to note my uh, moments of uh, where I felt manipulated and kind of ticked off was especially with Halbrand at the end. Like he's laying mm. there nearly dead. They're very worried about this wound, right? That is, has turned and needs Elvish. If you need Elvish medicine, you're, you're kind of on your last legs, right? Like you need it quick. And then two seconds later, he's flipping on himself up onto a horse, totally. and going off on a horse journey. And I'm like, I call bullshit. That would not yeah. happen. That would not happen. And Brian yeah. is not I felt the hug- same way in that moment. I was like, wait, I thought he was like, I thought he had like a gangrenous wound here. Yeah. He and now he's be- out on his horse celebrating his. I went on a road trip. With the lateral. <laughs> it's like, think- I don't get that. And I didn't get, I didn't also there's just the moment when Bronwyn hugs Theo and I'm like she's hugging him with on her injured side like so she's lifting Mm. her injured so like if you have an injury here like in your shoulder this fucks up all the muscles (laughs) for this arm you don't use this arm again and she's just like pain-free and and hugging people and it's like come on guys just make it a little grittier for a little bit like like really lean into what you're doing with the story it this is my this is my prediction halbrand aka sauron (laughs) is gonna go get elvish medicine become pretty is gonna be like now he's more elf than human Mm, and that's gonna solve this whole sauron started as an elf thing That's what I want to have happen. I don't want them to, I mean, that just comes down to them manipulating the backstory of the the, arguably one of the, you know, like the major character of the show and it doesn't need to be done. So I don't get that. I mean, but I'm not going to put it past them because hello, Celeborn. I mean, what the fuck? It's not dead. I mean, come on. We are, we have now ventured into something that, that super annoyed me, super annoyed me. And not not from a historical, you know, from a, a canonical standpoint, like, yeah, you know, Celeborn's alive, but like we've spent how many episodes and gone through how much bullshit with Galadriel? Only and thinking this is about the her first time she mentions her husband, like that wasn't important at all. And I'm supposed to believe it's important now. Like, I, I suppose... There's a way to look at it where, look, she's been holding on to this because she didn't want to admit that her, you know, her feelings and like there's, you know, there's armor around her heart when it comes to Celeborn. But nobody else talked know? about it. But she, and never once, no one talked about Celeborn. Never once has she implied that there was something else, you know. I, I mean, well, I guess we may have wondered, is really just all about Finrod? Because this seems a bit over the top, you know. But I, I was 
speaking of manipulative do you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. to, to hold on to that it felt cheap and lame yeah. and, well, isn't, and again isn't, this is why i was like we should have started the story here yeah so. no i i definitely felt i mean i my feeling was this should have been the second fucking episode do you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah. the first episode should have ended with the detonation of you know mount doom and this this should have been the second episode i, I felt pretty much the same way I I was so like upset for those reasons. Yes, Justin. And then just like, what the heck are they doing? Like, why are they even making this change about Celeborn and his character? Are they just, did they just throw this in here? Because, you know, as we've noted, technically, you know, she's married and has kids at this point of the story in theory. Um, But so I went online to a couple of like trusted sources and one theory, which I thought was kind of interesting was there's this character Glorfindel who is like the stud badass of Elvendom. And it was written out of the Peter Jackson stories and that role was given to Arwen basically. So like the whole saving Frodo in the first movie um, seen by the river, blah, blah, blah. That would have been Glorfindel, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that happens to Glorfindel is that early on in his history is that he gets killed in an extremely heroic way. So the Valar like basically reincarnate him. They're like, oh, nope, you, we want you to still be alive, which begs the question why they don't do that all the time. But anyway, um, well, the Valar can just Somebody can't harm Yeah, that's what was done with Gandalf. I don't know if it's the Valar Valar doing that, or no, if I it's think it was the Owl Maya. Did it. Yeah, Owl yeah. Um. Anyway, so there's oh. this this guy's theory. The only way he can make this whole Caliborn thing in the show palatable to himself was like, well, maybe they're giving Caliborn the Glorfindel like story, like. Yes, he was killed and no one's seen him for quite a while and he's going to show back up. I, I think he's definitely going to show back up, but I don't think he was oh, ever he has killed. To. I don't think he, he will have ever been killed. I think he will have been held like we definitely were treated to. He's being held in a whole aspect of Sauron experimenting on beings. Yeah. You know, that's what they, they showed in that ice castle at the beginning and blah, blah, blah. So I think Caliborn's going to be a prisoner of war and you know I think that'll be a big season two thing personally can't anybody just be named like John (laughs) man invented like three new languages for this like uh, anyway so well I guess somebody is I mean there's Theo that's we are that's true there is Theo we are transitioning sort of out of theme into character. And we've been basically discussing character for a while now. Um, And I do feel like this was one of the first episodes where for a lot of characters, I felt closer to them. Uh, Even the characters that I liked before, like the the friendship, the relationship with Elrond and Doran, which, you know, takes its biggest setback in this episode, you know, in terms of people coming between them. But it felt so real, you know, the idea like Durin's anguish at letting his friend down felt real. Uh-huh. Galadriel's sort of come to Aule conversation with Theo felt yeah. so real. Do you know what I'm saying? It felt, even though 
I still feel like this was way too, even with the, with Mount Doom going off, this felt like too big a uh, change from being genocidal just, you know, 20 minutes earlier. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, mm-hmm. But I did feel it when she comes and kneels in front of the queen. Like I, yes, yes, I felt, that I felt. Yes. like that, that was a good moment. I felt Galadriel humbled. I did not feel her hatred change though. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that part. So I'm still, but have the characters started to grow on you? I know Lisa, you already started to touch on this a bit, but some of the characters are in this sort of haphazard way starting to come together. Mm-hmm. Um, and how are you feeling about them? Are there any characters you especially love more now than you did before? Or are there characters who you still need to see something from? Like, what? what is your feel? Because character was the big bugaboo going into this episode, I think, for us. And Yeah. I, um, I was really happy to see, um, what's the name of, like, the Harfoot elder? Sadok. Sadok Rose. Sadok. I mean, from the very first episode, I was like, this guy is cool. Like I, like even when he was being antagonistic, there was something about him that I liked. And Mm -hmm. so I'm excited that I was excited that he kind of like stepped up in this episode, that his character was kind of a little bit more central in this episode. And that like, when you know the kind of like quest is talked about at the end of the episode of going to find the stranger and warn him about these you know mysterious beings or whatever that are after him um that he's like you know that he was like i'm going and i'm going to be a part of this quest and so i'm curious i i like i said i have found his character interesting from the beginning and so i'm i was excited like what was going on with him this episode and what's going to happen with him like in the next episode um going forward um and it's like so one character I've loved from the beginning is Diza and (laughs) um her kind of like Lady Macbeth flip this episode I was I was like I don't know if I've seen any hints of that I mean like I know she's been like very supportive of Doran and like but her kind like I felt like it like she became more sinister this episode and um I I'm still kind of I'm just I'm just like okay let's see where this goes because I wasn't expecting that from her but I also don't want to say that it's totally unearned. So um, that's one character shift that happened in this episode that I was like, okay. I mean, like, show me what you got. Because I mean, Lady Macbeth is an enduring character for good reason. And so right. if you're going to, yeah. if you're going to like, if you're going to put Disa on that path, then I'm curious to see how that's going to like play out. But um, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because I don't, I didn't take it as Lady, I absolutely seen the Lady Macbeth reference. Um, I didn't feel it at the time because it felt more, it felt less of a, hey, I want to get to this position of power. I need to be queen of Casa Doom or whatever it is, um, than just, look, you you are a good and um, 
worthy dwarf and you're going to be fine. You're, you know, the things that your dad have, you know, the way he is being toxic with you right now is not cool. You're going to make it, you're going to do it. Yeah. It felt more positive. Than, and I got that. It was yeah. like I said, it was like, I was just seeing the sinister side of it. Sure. Um, yeah. And maybe that's just the way I saw it, but um, no, I think that's absolutely a legitimate. Um, I want to go back and read, see that conversation again, because I think, yeah, that's an interesting. I have take. to say, because one of my hot takes was about Disa mm. and it was sort of, it made me question myself because dwarves are greedy. That's like a racial trait in, in Tolkien. You know, they, they love gold and treasure. And you sort of, you, you sort of accept that. And seeing her show, and I was wondering, am I reacting to her just showing that quality? And is this me being a little misogynistic because I like it less in Disa than I have in other characters? Um, but yeah, because it struck me a, a little shockingly sinister as well. Mm -hmm. And so, well, it's just nice to know I ain't tripping. That's all, you know? <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. <wow>. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely felt that too. And I, you bring up something interesting, Justin. The the whole uh, the dwarven love of gold and uh, just wealth and you know all that kind of stuff. And we haven't really seen that in this series yet. Not really. Like we we got it when they at the beginning when they did their Pulp Fiction sort of open up the the case and the the mithril shines on them and they're like, huh, 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 look what we got. But ever since then, it's been like this weird, mm, mm, nah, we're not going to go after that, even though it's where our characters are kind of designed to want that. It, there's been this big, weird pushback from well, from the, the King, from King Jordan yeah. not to do it. And I feel like that's a big separation from what we even found about how all this went down in the Peter Jackson films, uh, that they were the cause of their own doom because they were greedy and they they dug in and in this case it's simply prince doran and and uh uh what's his name um elrond elrond, elrond solely digging in a hole you know that wakes up well the technically it's it's somebody littering i mean i don't know if the elrond, the if balrog, the balrog is actually awake yet as much as that's just a, a clue like <laughs> yeah i'm wondering if if we're gonna be treated to the balrog coming for like this early i hope it, not I hope I, not. Me too. I, I, I hope we don't get it. That would be. I, I hope that was just a tease. Yeah. Well, on the likewise. flip side of that, though, they just like unholstered the gun. You know what I mean? Like, why would you show us the Balrog yeah. if you're not going to use him? Um, I see. That's why I'm worried about this next episode. I'm really concerned about where they're going to land yeah. on an ending. This would have been a great episode to land. You know to end on especially I, since the episode yeah. had like five endings there yeah. were like multiple times i was like oh great end to the episode oh okay in the tradition like 20 endings yeah <laughs> philip we do not complain about endings in lord of the rings I, we just don't yeah, do that sure no i get that i get that i mean um i was happy to see the Never return stopped me before <laughs> 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 we'll have as many endings as there are meals in a hobbit day oh and God. i don't know what that's that number lot. is that's it's it's enough I think it just goes on forever yeah i think they never <laughs> stop eating kelly sue i you you've you looked very thoughtful over the last few you know discussion point people talking is there something i am thoughtful something you <laughs> um, want to share or yeah okay so 
Just go on this journey with me for a minute. <laughs> I love it when you start with this. <sighs> um, is everybody here familiar with the show New Girl? Yes. No. Okay. Well, I'll explain a running gag throughout the show. <laughs> that is Winston, Lamorne Morris's character, okay. really loving to prank people. But he either goes way too big or like way too way small. Too small. <laughs> like he sticks a feather in somebody's shoe and thinks it's hilarious. And then his other idea for a prank is like dosing a grizzly bear with hep C and letting it loose in a restaurant on someone's first date. Like it's either. And Schmidt is like, wouldn't a bear in a restaurant be enough? i feel like this is what they're doing with the characters Mm -hmm. it's either way too much or not even enough Mm -hmm. and it's how i feel about some of the galadriel stuff where it's like you know her her having grief is enough it doesn't have to be i hate everybody and i'm telling everybody every episode about my grief and then you have the stranger where it's like, just anything, <laughs> give me something. You know? <laughs> so that is how I feel about the way that characters, that I'm experiencing the characters overall in the show, in this episode, um, there were a lot of like, defining aspects of characters that I feel they abandoned like that Mm -hmm. like um Isildir's father Elendil Elendil thank you John I'm gonna call him John I'm just here to Um, say Elendil many times during the podcast (laughs) like there was a whole almost episode and a half about him hinging his entire everything on this principle that the sea is always right Mm -hmm. like that was defining of his character when we met him and then in this episode he's like i never should have pulled that elf out of the sea Mm -hmm. and i'm like did you not understand that there were risks like i just i don't buy that i don't buy that swift of a turn when it's when it especially when it's something that's presented to us is like this is this character's north star here's the problem and i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of there with you i'm i'm kind of there with you and the problem is is that the thing that's supposed to have made him change mm-hmm. is the death of his son you know Sildor's, Absolutely. you know and of course. that works that's enough that is sure. enough except mm-hmm. that we didn't get shown a whole lot of parental love we should we got mm-hmm. a lot of disapproval we didn't get much yeah. affection and mm-hmm. more than that everyone knows that Isildur is not dead everyone mm-hmm. knows it do you know yeah. what i'm saying so it sort of waters down his freaking mm-hmm. yeah you know it's it's, like, it's the wrong choice if we know if we already if we're going into this knowing that mm-hmm. Isildur has no children yet but Isildur's heir is going to be a really big deal yeah well and this is another this is a perfect example of what i was talking about where it's like his grief would have been enough Mm. it didn't need to be i never should have pulled this elf out of the sea well 
it, not yet. I'm not in not yet. five seconds in yeah. one episode. Yeah. Give us some time to sit with this man in his grief. We got one mm-hmm. kind of teary, you know, moment and him talking to a horse and looking <laughs> a little bit angsty. And that's all we've had of his grief. It's mm-hmm. that's kind of the, yeah, you were talking about it earlier, Kel- Kelsey, yeah. where it's, it, I, I was thinking watching this episode, I'm like, you know, it's, it's almost like the writers of the show have a limited amount of emotion, like in a jar <laughs> to put on the page and they spilled the jar all over yeah. Elrond and Durin mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season. <laughs> yeah. And now they've just got little bits to throw at, you know, some of the other characters and it's, it's just it's too rushed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's really it. It's like, of course, characters are allowed to shift and change. Yeah. But I mean, over the course of events and episodes and time, and you know, if it was going to be, I never should have pulled her out of the sea. Then that was a perfect point, Justin, like then play up the father son devotion, make it, you know, get, give us the foundation. Or have him tell us it's even more than just about his son. Like I have this gr- yeah. overwhelming grief about my son, but also look, look what's happened. Look what's, yeah. you know. Totally. So um, what I hear everybody saying <laughs> is that sure, this is better, but it's still plagued by a lot of the same old problems. They're trying yeah. to do too much. They have way too many characters and way too much blah that's not connected and mm-hmm. nothing is getting enough time to develop and shine and make us feel for these characters with names that we have to wrap our tongues around. Yeah, and with of- that lovely thought, oh, I'm going to take you guys to break. And when we return, we will have takes both hot and cold. We will have our episodic reactions and somebody will make a recommendation. Ooh, cannot wait for the recommendation. If you're enjoying this conversation, you're in luck. Because we're also currently talking about Netflix's The Sandman. And this fall, we begin our long-awaited deep dive into David Lynch and Mark Frost's Twin Peaks with our throwback podcast series, That Gum You Like. And you should always keep your eyes out for more of our popsicle pop-ups. So for all updates on all things Popsicle, follow us at Popsicle Pod on all the social medias. Join our mailing list at our website, popsiclepod.com, for all the latest news and announcements. That's Popsicle Pod. P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D. That was really good. That was really good. That, that was, was the most sultry break. Karen Sharp <laughs> doing love songs on the coast right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was good shit. Yep. I and, feel like we need um, to start taking requests now. I was just, I was simply trying to make sure that all of our takes were hot. Okay. So who's got some, uh, who's got some hot takes for me? Or would you like me to start? I have a hot take that is literally hot 
go for okay, it. So when we see the when we saw the Balrog, I was like, this is giving me Ragnarok right now. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> oh yeah. shit. That is exactly the opposite <laughs> feeling you want too. That's oh that's yeah. terrible. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay oh well God. since yeah. you said that as your hot take i'll i'll because <laughs> because your hot take reminded you of another thing yeah <laughs> minded too there was a point like when um elrond and durin were like finding the mithril cave or whatever Mm-hmm. They played like three notes in the score that sounded exactly like Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nice. <laughs> like when they're like digging in the desert, it was now like the exact three chords. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> I'm sensing some Raiders of the Lost Ark. I love it. Yeah. Um, speaking of hot, that horse running by with his back on fire, Oof. that was pretty fucked up. And that was that really... Was that was super mood creating. Like that put mm-hmm. me, I was like, oh, this is fucked up. Like mm-hmm. my wife shrieked. She was like, that is not cool. You know? Yeah. Very not cool. Um, yeah. And then my other, only other real hot take for me was why does Galadriel all of a sudden decide to trust Dio with a sword? Like she spends all this time trying to convince him not to freaking go apeshit on orcs. Mm-hmm. And then like her reaction is I'm going to give you a sword, you know, because you mentioned the word soldier. Her and... consistency is her inconsistency. Yeah. It's the same thing that Aaron Deer did in the previous episode with the same character, Theo, mm-hmm. with the Morgul Blade. And I'm wondering if it's an elvish thing. They just think that their words are so powerful that everyone obviously listens. Oh, or that they're understand. I mean, that's what we're supposed to come to understand about Galadriel is that she sees how people are, right? Like she can see people and understand what they're doing thinking and display some wisdom around that and no she she doesn't have that yet maybe Uh she'll find like a hot tub or a pool like a natural spring somewhere that like has that and she'll fall in it i'm sorry that was really snarky (laughs) i apologize i'm i it's the biggest disappointment i have about the show is just i don't there's so many other characters who can learn things and have really impressive arcs. I don't know that we need to have Galadriel as the central character of, and, and going on this journey. I just don't, I don't I think we need it to this more. degree. I, it's. I'm still. Uh, it always should have been Nori. Nori should have been the main character. The yeah. one who had, you know, it, it should have been, sure. It would have been echoes of the Hobbit and everything, except that she's, naturally adventurous to her core and it would have been like a, a, an almost reverse you know instead of a reluctant well, honestly, having adventures what's wrong with just going with what works honestly you know? seriously seriously go with what you know yeah mm-hmm. um i'm just still my continued hot take continues through this episode <laughs> this is episode seven now mm. of rings of power <laughs> and i haven't even heard pray tell not one thing about a ring you've not seen a ring one. you've seen we a got ring. more it's just rings still... we got more rings in the sandman than we got in the rings of power <laughs> i'm telling you what which yeah, is we fine. Get a fucking amulet in this show yeah for know. real if you're gonna call it rings <laughs> of power you gotta give me a ring yeah just one 
even yeah, if mm-hmm. it's like you know a narrated legend of a ring something just something you you've so seen now i'm ring. sitting here and it's i'm like just how long like is it gonna take right now how many seasons are we gonna get into in this show and how long is it gonna go before somebody even talks about a ring <laughs> I think it's probably going to be halfway Thrones, through the next season. The throne right. is a very big part of the very first episode. Since this show has a really strange relationship with time, <laughs> um, my expectation is that in the next episode, the final episode of the season, uh, Gladriel is going to take Halbrand back to Lindon, back to the elves, you know, the, the Eldar anyway, and that we're going to see Halbrand talking to Celebrimbor, who's makes the rings eventually. And I think that Halbrand's going to be the one who puts that in his head, which is what Sauron does in the history. So I, that is my I'm going to be so pissed off if Halbrand is Sauron. Oh, I'm, I'm going to be pissed I'm off almost about convinced. that too. I'm almost convinced. Because didn't they find Halbrand in a ditch somewhere, like strangely wounded? Like no one knows how he got wounded. I, I'm starting to think everything he does is fake now. So now... Yeah, I'm I'm starting to believe that he is. Mm-hmm. If they if best. they make it this blatant this early in the series, not only is that stupid and stupid writing, but it diminishes the uh, Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I just there's so many, yeah, there's nerd reasons and there's character reasons and there's just all sorts of things where I'm just like, fuck no. No, I love when Claire gets spicy. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past. I put nothing past them. This is almost the yeah. point I get At to. At this point, think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is almost the point where I get to where I'm like, okay, well, I will be suspending my viewing of this until well, all the spoilers all are done. Halbrand is a, this is a character made for the show, right? Like Halbrand yeah. in the lore yes. or the in the whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't buy that Tolkien's Mm -hmm. Sauron would look like or put himself in the position that Halbrand has been in. Because Sauron is not the kind of character who feels the need to diminish his narcissism. You see what I'm saying? It, mm-hmm. he's not I, a I guy did not who, expect him to be hidden as anyone for exactly that reason. Yeah, you know? exactly. But... Like he should be a guy who walks out and he's like, this, I am this person. Um, and yet I will still have the charm and the whatever I need to be able to talk you into doing the things that I want you to do. That's a, that's a Sauron. Uh, not this Halbrand dude. Sorry. I do no. also... I dig the fact that Nori's mom is decided to go with him. That's yeah. a fun hot take. Yeah. Because she, I, that feels like a character who's largely a blank slate. And I would, I look forward to maybe getting more of her. Philip, yeah. you've been very quiet during the hot take section. Oh. Do you have any hot um, takes for us? I have uh, a heavy hot take that I really liked when Theo hugged Aaron Deer. As oh, yeah. Clunky, as clunky moment. as some story arcs have been, I feel like that story arc between the two of them, where it started, and mm-hmm. where it's ended up has been relatively smooth and it's yeah. been and it's built nicely over multiple episodes to get to where it's at with very defining moments um and so when he turned to him and hugged him i was like that's a that's a nice build to a story it felt arc. earned, it felt yeah. earned yeah. in this mm-hmm. and 
and I uh, actually noticed because when Theo first comes across Galadriel, Arendir is the first person he asks about. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I was so, I, I feel you there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just found out that Queen Mariel, played by Cynthia Di Robinson, Cynthia Di Robinson grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland, which is you just happens to be where I grew my up. Silver wow. Spring. She is my homie. So, wow. Amazing. You know, there you go. Okay. So, I have one more hot take. Uh, let's oh. do it. That is art direction more than anything. So, you know, when they go into Halbrand's separate King's recovery tent. Yes. <laughs> I was like, are you all really? Ex- oh, I have a second hot take too. That's kind of similar. <laughs> um, are you really hanging like open flame lanterns next to this like canvas tent wall? Seconds after your whole town burned down. <laughs> exactly. Get the f- open flame out of there. One. Number two. I had a very hard time buying that Elrond would be escorted in shame out of Casa Dune. Doom. Yeah. And then just be holding Mithril in his hand. Like they didn't search him or anything. <laughs> I had a hard time mm-hmm. buying that. Like the king is pissed because he doesn't want Doran giving it to Elrond. And he's just like, I'm going to hide it here in the palm of my head. <laughs> I just, I don't know. It was check that this was a palm. hard pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. Now check this one. <laughs> See nothing. I got nothing. Mithril? I've never even heard of it. <laughs> so um, that was a little that one was that was a little tough. I yeah, I I guess I have one more as well. And it calling it a hot take. I, I'm try I was trying really hard not to just go completely nuts about it. it, it just the depiction of the entire like explosion Mount Doom. <laughs> like have they not ever like read about Pompeii and like what <laughs> pyrocastic flow? Like this is what they're depicting, mm-hmm. but nobody in the area where this happened actually displays any kind of outward injury. Like they're covered with ash, mm-hmm. but no actual damage to their bodies. And it's just like, okay, that, that was a stretch. I'm sorry. That was a huge stretch. Maybe it's because I've been following this woman who survived that um, island uh, volcano eruption um, outside of New Zealand. Do you remember the white, I can't remember the name of the island, but it was a place where they took tourist people to. And she and her dad and her sister were there and it blew up and like no fire, no lava, no like any of that kind of stuff. Just the temperature of the ash, like alone in Uh, oh and i and i still have no idea how many people were part of the southlands or that (laughs) village i feel like they were down to 10 and now they're back up to like 50 again or something and yeah like their numbers literally every time i see a crowd of them i'm like you've repopulated already that's amazing did they leave 80 percent of the numenorean forces like back on that ridge or whatever and so they only had like i never know five people i it's yeah there are a lot of things there are little things like like that that are funny to me 
that a, that a half a billion dollar show should be able to easily yeah. map out like you like your your guys's I, I mean they're not these aren't even really complaints they're just mm. sort of like uh -huh. yeah but yeah. your guys's yeah. thing about the boats being so small <laughs> you know what i would love i would love you know? to sit in a room with peter jackson and just have a discussion <laughs> like watch episodes with him and have a discussion or not yeah. even mm -hmm. peter jackson so much as uh philippa and mm. the other one, uh, uh, and, and writers Fran Walsh, uh, Fran Walsh, yes yeah. Fran, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Fran Walsh. um i would just like to have discussion i would just like to with their take i didn't know that that would never happen um that was a you know nice thing for them probably to not do but mm. i would just love to have it here's the thing uh, i read this article in the hollywood reporter about uh that interviewed um patrick mckay and jd Payne, the showrunners mm -hmm. and the simple truth is I'm pretty sure this is the first thing they've ever worked on that's ever been produced. Yes. Yeah. You know, they, and they were they were screenwriters beforehand. They had sold things but never had them produced. Mm -hmm. They did not work in TV before this. They definitely got, you know, the benefit. Uh they, they got a benefit, they get, were given the benefit of a doubt in a way that no woman or person of color would ever receive. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And yeah, but they're they're noobs. And I'm not I'm not even faulting them. They're noobs, you know. And the fact that no one was like, okay, we love your idea. We're going to go with it. We're giving you a third showrunner, you know, and this is Glenn Mazzara. This is like anyone with like, you know, some freaking experience and yeah. like to help you run the writer's room and to help you develop this. Like, I think I put this on Amazon, you know, Amazon, for, like from a production standpoint, they didn't for considering how much money they spent on this, they could have spent another million dollars and bought themselves an experienced showrunner to go with these two guys. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I think so much of what, because it's no surprise that it's getting better at the end of the season because they've actually had a chance to write some and create some stuff at this point, you know? Mm -hmm. So they're starting to learn what they're doing, you know? Like, I think, I, I think this show, I think this show can get better because yeah. there will be experience, but I think it's suffering by and large from, you know, rookie showrunners whose reach has exceeded their grasp, you know? And, mm -hmm. and as I mentioned in a previous podcast, they really tried to band-aid that with bringing in some very good TV writers and also giving them executive producer credits, like pretty much all of them. So it's I hard, feel hard to... that it was actually by placing two noobs at the helm that actually feels very strategic to me. What, like so they, they wanted the to have on? some non-veterans who would be malleable mm. and who they could mm. have more control over. And I feel that, that that is also a huge part of what is making it a little messy. Um, because if you get these brand new you get these brand new, you know, showrunners that want to do a good job. Um, they're going to be less inclined to be like, that's a terrible idea. No. Right. To, to push back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be less inclined to push back. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything about it. And I just think it's important that that be said. <laughs> that I don't actually know at all what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's just what it feels like to me. That this is, and I'm saying the same thing. This is what it feels yeah. like to me. You know, totally. 
Um, so on that shining note, <laughs> Philip, that episode was uh, better. Fair. Kelly Sue, that episode was? That episode was. Good. <laughs> if you could have seen the effort that she put into getting letting the word good escape her lips, folks, you would you would know why I'm kind of giggling a little bit. Claire, that episode was. Um, I'm just gonna give it a suffix. That episode was ish. So like whatever other words anybody wants to use, like just like ish at the end of it. Great. It was greatish. Greatish. The showish. The <laughs> endish. I don't know. That ish. episode was television ish. <laughs> Lisa, that episode was. That episode was too late. And I'm going to say that episode was a better second episode than a second to last episode. And that should do it for us, but we have one more thing yet to go. Lisa, mm -hmm. arrow to my heart. <laughs> Cupid's arrow to my heart. Aww. Lisa, what do you have for us? If people like this... Yeah, I'm going to recommend something like really weird. <laughs> Good. It's not, I mean, it's content, but it's very specific content. So I'm staying at my mom's place right now. <laughs> hey, Beryl. Hey, Beryl. <sighs> she has a treadmill that I've been using and it's an iFit treadmill. Okay. And iFit comes, it's like Peloton light but it comes with all of these walks you can take like in the world with these guides. And I took a walk in New Zealand today with Graham McTavish. <laughs> and he talked all about filming the Hobbit in New Zealand. So I'm sorry. you're And I just listened to him talk about it with like another person that was also in the movie whose name I can't remember right now. Um, and they walked, they did this like hike in the mountains of New Zealand and talked all about the experience of making The Hobbit. And it was like fucking magical. And I was like so charmed by the whole thing. And I was so impressed by like the scale of everything, not just the scenery, but the scale of like them talking about making this movie and the attention to detail. And like, I know everybody feels ways about The Hobbit movies, but whatever, like put it aside because it's like, a lot of effort went into this and it was like I appreciated <clears throat> like and I appreciated hearing the experience and it 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 warmed my heart for these movies and you know it having just watched this episode which was like not the worst episode of the rings of power it it actually even kind of warmed my heart a tiny bit for the rings of power and just kind of like even when it doesn't work just the the effort 
people put in and what they get out of the experience is mm-hmm. beautiful. So it's a weird thing, but take a walk with Graham McTavish if you can. Oh, I think, actually, that's it's an important thing, though, I think, because, you know, for us, we have been justifiably critical of this show. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's not a labor of love. That doesn't mean that yeah. these people aren't yeah. trying their fucking hardest, you know? Of course. And well, like, I'm you know. Always going to be a number one fan of Weta and what they, you know, what the set, just the the legacy of that set design and what it's, how it's changed. Mm-hmm. It's changed everything. Like, oh yeah. Beyond CGI and all of that other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to note, Lisa, you're on vacation right now. I'm just I'm just gonna say you're visiting your mom on vacation yeah. whatever I mean I you... love visiting my mom but I am also working and yeah <laughs> yeah who's ever on vacation totally and you right. walked walked into Mordor is that what you're saying no, you, I don't walked... think I walked into Mordor. They did say did, that Peter Jackson, the mountains that I was walking in, they did say Peter Jackson used those mountains to film the beacons in uh, the oh. two towers. Okay. So not Mordor, but yeah. whatever those mountains yeah. are. Come on, Claire. One does not simply walk into Mordor. Apparently Lisa does. I don't know. I'm trying to verify that. I just love that throughout that entire recommendation, I was like, okay, so is she recommending the walk with Graham Cavish or is she? I am. That that's why I ended by saying, go on a walk with Graham McTavish. That's my. I think she's recommending iFit. (laughs) No, the software is terrible, but the walk the walks with Graham McTavish are a lot of fun. Awesome. Lisa, you're my favorite. Okay. Um, on that spectacular note, uh, we are done. Uh, thank you for listening. And uh, we will be back here next week for the finale of Rings of Power. Until then, Namarie. This has